0: We're in a short series called Raised to Life. It's a short series, of course, about baptism. I <clears throat> want to tell you about Ruth Kirby's grandson. He's six years old. His name's Blake. And he went to his mom and announced that he'd been baptized. She thought that was a little strange. She used the mother. She didn't recall him being baptized any time. She said, son, what do you mean you were baptized? She said, well... I was in the bathtub last night, and I put my face under the water and thought about Jesus. Pretty close. Pretty close. Here's what I want to do tonight. Today, I want to kind of expound on what we talked about last week because Blake's not that far off. Baptism is a statement of faith. That's what we talked about last week. It really is my statement of faith and. Once a person admits their sin and turns to Christ for salvation, some step needs to be taken to proclaim both to heaven and earth that we are now a follower of Jesus Christ. Baptism, we said last week, is that initial step of obedience and allegiance. We're declaring, basically, His sacrifice is my salvation. I've become a new person because of the death and the burial and the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. Now, this is such an important step. I thought about it this week. It's such an important step. When you read through the New Testament, especially the book of Acts, and you see people being saved, you see people putting their faith in Christ, you almost always see somebody, after they put their faith in Christ, it talks about their baptism. In fact, except for the thief on the cross who didn't have the opportunity to be baptized, you would be hard-pressed to read through the book of Acts and find an unbaptized believer. That is, once they put their faith in Christ, the next thing they did was demonstrate that faith through the baptism. Now, this whole idea of being baptized really is traced back to the first followers of Jesus in the book of Acts. And I want you to open your Bibles to Scripture we looked at last week, Acts chapter 2. We're going to go back to that Scripture, Acts chapter (coughs) 2. Looking at verse 21. I'm going to take this off so hopefully I don't cough as much maybe. Acts chapter 2, verse 21. We're picking up the story kind of in the middle of, of the story. Peter is preaching in Jerusalem at Pentecost. And it says in verse 21, in the middle of his sermon, Peter says... And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what, church? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, notice he didn't say everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, and, and then you go through a believer's class, and then you're baptized, and then you join the church. He said everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Remember that. <clears throat> then he goes on to say, verse 22, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. That is, when Jesus came, God did miracles and signs and wonders to validate that he really was the Son of God, that he really was no ordinary man. He was God in flesh, and that's why he did the miracles and the signs and wonders. Now, continue to read with me, verse 23. This man... This holy man, this man from God, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. That is, he wasn't swept up in something. He he deliberately, willingly gave himself. This was always God's plan from the very beginning. And you, with the help of wicked men, parentheses, the Romans, you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Verse 24. But God raised him from the dead. Can somebody say amen to that? But God, you put him to death, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Then skip down to verse 32. God raised this Jesus to life, and we're all witnesses of the fact. Do you understand that the story of Jesus is not a fiction? It's fact. It's exactly what it says here. We are all witnesses of the fact. And then read with me verse 36. Therefore, he says, he's bringing his message to a conclusion. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus Whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, look at verse 37, key verse. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? After hearing the gospel, they ask a very good question. Maybe it's a question you've considered. Maybe it's a question you've been asking lately. The question was, what shall we do? See, this is the basic question we all need to ask at some point. What they were saying was this. They were saying, what I've been hearing makes sense. But how should I respond to this good news? I'm hearing some new things from this guy named Peter. And what he's saying, it seems to make sense. But how do we respond to this? And so Peter tells them how to respond. He replies in verse 38. Peter replied, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. The very first thing that Peter says when they said, what do we need to do? Because what you're saying makes sense, and we we understand we need to respond to it in some way. So what do we need to do? And the very first thing Peter said to them was the word repent. In other words, he was saying, it's not enough simply to agree with me that what I said makes sense. You need to repent. It's not enough to simply... Feel sorry for your sins. You need to repent. You must turn away from your sinful lifestyle and turn to Jesus. Turn away from a life of selfishness and sinfulness and turn to Jesus depending on him for forgiveness of sins and for his grace. You must repent. It's not enough to simply feel sorry for your sins. You need to be forgiven of your sins. You need to repent. And when you repent, you're acknowledging something. When you repent, you're acknowledging, I can't save myself. When you repent, you're acknowledging, not even my religion can save me. When you repent, you're declaring that you no longer put faith in you at all, but rather you're putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And so, so Peter said, here's the first thing you need to do. If you want to respond to what you've been hearing, the first step is to repent, to turn away from your sin and give your life to Jesus Christ. That may be a step for you to take as well. A step where what you've been hearing lately kind of makes sense and you're not sure what to do with it. You're not sure, you feel like you need to respond, but you're not sure how to respond. And the first thing I would say to you is repent. Turn away from a life of sinfulness and turn to Christ and trust Him alone for salvation. Then Peter says, after you have repented, there's a second thing you need to do. He said repent in verse 38 and be baptized. Look at it in the text. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Now, don't be misled by that phrase, for the forgiveness of sin. It doesn't mean that somehow your sins are washed away in the waters of the baptistry. The verse could be translated, that word for, could be translated because of. Repent and be baptized because you have experienced the forgiveness of sin of your sins, is really what the verse is saying. In other words, baptism itself won't save you, but it is a first step to demonstrate who has saved you. Does that make sense to anybody? Baptism won't save you. So you need to repent and be saved. You need to repent and trust Christ, and, and God's, God will, will change your life. You need to repent and be saved. Then you're baptized to demonstrate who has saved you. You see, baptism is not incidental. It's not unimportant. It is very important. In fact, it's so important when they said, what should we do? Peter said, well, there's basically two things. You need to repent first and foremost. You need to repent and turn your life over to God. And then secondly, your second response is to be baptized, to declare your new faith in Jesus Christ. Now, look what it says in verse 41. Those who accepted his message. Notice the wording here. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number. Let let me read that one more time. I want to note a few things here. Those who accepted his message, those who repented, those who responded and repented, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Can you imagine baptizing 3,000 people in one day? Anybody ever seen 3,000 people baptized in one day? I've never seen it. I, I've read stories of hundreds of people being baptized in one day. I've never really, uh, I've never seen 3,000 people baptized in one day. And as I thought about that, I thought, I wonder how long it took to baptize 3,000 people. Man, you talk about a long day. I bet they didn't beat the Methodist to the restaurant that day. I bet the service went long that day. Baptized 3,000 people in one day. And here's another question I had. What did their family think when they walk into the house soaking wet? You ever thought about that? I mean, think about it. They didn't leave home that morning going to church and say, Oh, I better be sure to take my towel, something to get baptized in. They, They didn't leave home planning to be baptized. They left home that day to go to Jerusalem either to go to the temple to worship. Lots of them probably went that day to the temple to worship, but, but probably a lot of people were just in town that day. You know, they were going to the market. They were doing whatever they needed to do in the city. They, they were just in Jerusalem, and they hear this commotion. And they go over to see what all the commotion is all about, and they hear this guy speaking. They hear this guy that we call Peter, and, and he was speaking to the crowd. And, and they stood there, and they listened. And the more they listened, the more it began to... Register. the more it began to sink in. And, and as they stood there, they, they eventually said, I believe. What he said sounds right. They were just in the city listening, but before they knew it, it was not, they were not just listening to a man tell a story. Suddenly it felt like he was talking to them about their story. And they stood there listening to this man talk to them. I mean, have you ever had an experience like that in church where it seems like, I'm telling you, it just seems like the preacher is talking right at you and, and about you? And, and sometimes it almost seems like there's nobody else in the room. It's just, it just I've heard people say to me, Pastor, it, it just felt like you were talking right at me, and there's nobody else there. In fact, I even had one man say to me one day, he was a little bit upset with me, after the service, he said, did my, did my wife talk to you before the service? No, the Lord may have, but your your, your wife didn't. So when the people in Jerusalem heard the gospel message that Peter was preaching, the Bible says something very interesting happened. Look in verse 37. Verse 37. When the people heard this, the Bible says they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? When they heard this message of the gospel... The Bible says they were cut to the heart. In other words, they were convicted deeply by what they were hearing. In other words, as they began to process this message they were hearing, it did more than just enter their ears. It began to stir something deep inside them. There began to arise within them this this conviction that they had not felt before. They had never known this feeling before. They had never heard this message before. And, and the more they listened, the more they did more. Or the more they listened, the more they understood. And it was not just sound coming into their ears. It was something happening inside them. They were convicted, cut to the heart. And that's why they asked the question, what do we need to do? Everybody look up here. You know what they're saying? We can't go home now. We can't just walk away from this. This is good news. This makes sense. We know we need to respond, but we don't know how to respond. So what do we need to do? And Peter said, well, there's two things. Number one, you need to repent. You need to turn your life over to God. Turn away from your sin and turn to God and trust Christ Jesus alone for your salvation. You need to repent and experience salvation. You need to repent, and then after you repent... The second thing you need to do is be baptized, demonstrating you put your faith in Christ, unashamedly declaring your allegiance to the one who died for you. So after you repent, then you're baptized. And here's what happened. 3,000 soaking wet, smiling people walked through the city of Jerusalem that day on their way home. Uh, can you imagine what it must have been like to be walking down the road and you keep, walk, you keep seeing these people walk by and they're soaking wet? It's like, what, what has happened? What's going on? Why are all of these people wet? I mean, 3,000 people is a lot of people. And you look up it's like, it's not raining. Why is everybody wet? 3,000 people walking through the city, soaking wet, perhaps with a huge smile on their face, because, listen, they were now followers Jesus Christ now church this is not just a story to read this is a word to repeat and next Sunday we're going to give you an opportunity to do that next Sunday we're going to have baptism Sunday and if you'd like to be baptized next Sunday all you've got to do is at the end of the service come here and let me know or go to the next step table out front and let us know there. Or you can call the church office or you can email us. Just make sure you let us know that you'd like to be baptized next Sunday. And all services we're planning on baptizing is going to be a wonderful, incredible day. Now, three questions usually come up, though, when we talk about stuff like this. When people are, are talking about baptism, sometimes it becomes an emotional issue. When you're talking about baptisms, for some people, it becomes a very confusing issue. And so people generally have three basic questions, and I'd like to answer those questions for you. Because it might be that you're dealing with one of these issues. As you hear the Word preached and something's happening within you, but you have one or more questions that, that come to your mind, and it's like, I'm still not sure what to do with this. Here's one of the questions I sometimes hear. Pastor, I was baptized as an infant. What should I do? Well, if that's your situation, first and foremost, you need to make sure that you have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that yet, that would be your first step. Now, it may be that you have later in life trusted Christ, but you need to understand that in the New Testament, baptism, listen carefully, in the New Testament, baptism is a willing pledge of those who are old enough to recognize their sin, mature enough to comprehend their, the significance of Jesus' death on the cross and independent enough to commit their life to Him. In other words, every baptism in the New Testament was somebody who was baptized after they responded to the gospel message. They were old enough to hear the gospel message, to comprehend the gospel message, and to personally respond to the gospel message. That's why we call it Believer's baptism. It's always in this order. You hear the message, you respond to the message, and then you're baptized. When you're baptized as an infant, you don't have that opportunity. Let me show you this in Scripture. Acts chapter 2, verse 31. Acts chapter 2, verse 31. No, that's not it. Um... I'm sorry, verse 41. Those who accepted his message, notice the order, those who accepted his message were baptized. Now, what about this issue, though? But, uh, Pastor, are you saying that that what my parents did for me was wrong? I, I would like to phrase it this way. You can be grateful for what your parents did for you, that your parents cared enough about you to give you what they thought was the best start in life, You could be grateful that they, in their own way, set you apart for God. But believer's baptism is not a sign that you disrespect your heritage. It is not a sign that you disrespect your parents. Believer's baptism could, in some ways, even be an answer to your parents' prayers. You need to be thankful for your religious heritage. But realize, also, you need to realize that faith in Christ is a personal decision and your parents cannot make that decision for you. You need to understand that baptism is simply a testimony of what Christ has done in your life. And so if you were baptized as an infant, I would say to you, first of all, are you sure that you've trusted Christ later in life as your Savior? Have you nailed that down? Have you repented of your sins and trusted Christ as your Savior? If there has been a time where that has happened, then I would say, okay, now be baptized to show yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ. A second question that sometimes is even more emotional is this question. I'm a believer in Christ. I've been baptized, but it was not by immersion. What do I need to do? Well, I would say to you, if you wanted to find what's the best way to be baptized, if you wanted to follow someone's example, who better to follow than Jesus? So let's go to the book of Mark chapter 1. The gospel of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. At that time, now Luke tells us that this time was the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he was about 30 years old. So it's interesting, Jesus Jesus the Son of God was not baptized as a baby. Jesus the Son of God was baptized as an adult. 30 years of age. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth. Nazareth was his hometown. It's where he grew up. Spent about 30 years there. So at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John. Notice this. Notice the wording. Baptized by John in the Jordan. Not by the Jordan, not near the Jordan, baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. A few things just to point out real quickly about the way Jesus was baptized. First of all, it says he was baptized by John. The word baptized there is a Greek word baptizo, and it literally means to immerse or to place Under the water. I could use the word submerge to paint that picture. We all understand maybe even better that word submerge. When we submerge something, we put it under the water. We get that. The problem with the word submerge is that the word submerge means not necessarily it will ever come up again. When you submerge something, it stays sometimes under the water. You don't want to be submerged. You want to be immersed because the word immersed implies you're coming back up. And so the word baptizo, it literally means in the original language that he was immersed. He was placed under the water. Now, everybody look up here. I will tell you why that's so important. Listen to me. It was a picture of what he was going to do for you and I. He stood in the waters of the baptistry, or, or the waters of Jordan. He went down under the water and came back up. And the Bible says the reason that he did that was because it's a picture of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you you and I, we need to understand that he was baptized by being placed under the water. And, And again, let me call to your attention, it says in that same verse, he went down into the Jordan and he came up out of the water. So in order for Jesus to to be baptized, he and John went down into a body of water that was deep enough for the two of them to go down into, and one of them, baptized, immersed the other one, and then came up out of the water. It is a clear picture of baptism by immersion. And if you change the method, if you say, well, it's symbolic, and it really doesn't matter what method you use, if you change the method, you change the meaning of the baptism. Because the the method is his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And only baptism by immersion really paints that picture. And so when I'm baptized, I want to be baptized the way Jesus was baptized. Now, I understand there's a lot of emotion attached to that issue for some people. I understand that some of you would say, well, listen, I know what it meant to me, and I was baptized by sprinkling in another denomination. Are you saying, Pastor, that my baptism was not good enough? The only thing I would say to you was this. Is your baptism a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Because baptism is to proclaim your faith in that event. The other thing I would say to you is this. Do you know that there is a record of a rebaptism in the New Testament? Go to Acts chapter 19. Let me show you this rebaptism. See this whole idea of being baptized again or rebaptism is is a very emotional issue and I get that. I understand that. It's a big issue for some people. And I don't want to take that lightly. But if you go to Acts chapter 19, you'll see an example of rebaptism. Acts chapter 19, <clears throat> verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, uh, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So so these clearly people have not really been discipled. They're not, they're not clearly understanding the gospel message. So Paul asked them in verse 3, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. John the Baptist. John's baptism. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. Uh, John's baptism was a baptism declaring where we would declare our sinfulness and we would repent. But, but Peter said, but that's not the whole story. Because you need to believe in the one who's coming, that is Jesus. Now look at verse 5. On hearing this, they were baptized. Or parentheses, baptized again. On hearing this, they were rebaptized. you could say. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name or in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The people in Ephesus acted with good intentions. They did what they thought was the right thing when they experienced the baptism of John. But then when they saw the more biblical picture, they said, okay, we'll be baptized again in order to follow this biblical example. All right, then the third question that I sometimes am asked is this. I was baptized as a child, Pastor, but later in life is when I truly was genuinely saved. What do I need to do? Listen to me carefully. Baptism is not just simply checking a box saying, I've done that. I want to make sure you hear that. Baptism is not simply checking a box saying, I've already done that. Some of you, perhaps, you you were baptized when you were a child. You were in vacation Bible school, and you thought you were saved, and you got baptized, and then later as a teenager or or as a 30-year-old, that's when you really came to faith in Christ. That's when you understood the gospel, it's when you made a heart commitment. And so, you had some kind of experience as a child, but it wasn't true salvation. You were baptized as a child, but later in life is when you truly came to faith in Christ. Here's what you need to do. You need to be baptized as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because in the Bible, it's always they accepted his message, and then they were Baptized. Chapter, Acts chapter 2 verse 41, they accepted the message and then they were baptized. So it's not a box. It's like, well, yeah, I was baptized when I was seven. The question was, when were you saved? And have you testified of your faith in the Lord Jesus after you were saved? That's the real question. And so if, if you were saved later in life and haven't followed the Lord in believers' baptism, we would ask you to do that Give you the opportunity to do that next Sunday. The order is always the same. They believe, there's belief in Jesus, and then there's baptism. Now, I'd like for you to bow your heads for a moment because I've got a question for you. I've been trying to answer perhaps your questions, but I've got a question I'd like to ask you. Every head bow. I'd like to ask you a question. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Have you come to the point where, as Peter was preaching, the people were convicted. They said, what must I do? I would say to you the same two things that Peter said. Repent and be baptized. Repent, first of all. Turn away from your sin and turn to Christ and trusting Him alone for salvation. And, and today, if you come to this altar and you put your faith in Christ and you repent, uh, that's the moment of salvation. You, are, you will be as saved as you will ever be. You never get more saved by being baptized. You're saved the moment you repent of your sin and turn to Christ. Have you ever done that? Have you repented of your sin? If not, you can do that today. And then he said, repent and be baptized. Once you've placed your faith in Christ, it's a natural thing to demonstrate that you are now a follower of Jesus. And there is no better way to do that than through baptism. This would be a wonderful day for you to decide, I'm going to do that. I'm going to follow the Lord in believer's baptism, baptism by immersion, and I'm going to follow the Lord because I've never truly been baptized after my salvation experience. or Maybe your salvation experience is just today or last Sunday. And, and now you need to declare your faith in Christ. I hope that today during this invitation, it'll be your chance to deal with the Lord. And let him deal with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're grateful for who you are. For what you've done for us. And may you work in our lives as we wrestle with those two issues, have we repented of our sin, trusted Christ only for salvation, and have we followed the Lord and declared our allegiance to you through believer's baptism? We ask for your grace and for your work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.